Welcome to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neil. Make me terrible, Troy. I'm Treacherous Trista. And this is Behind the Monsters Month, and we're very happy to have Kurt Carley here of Godzilla, the Underworld, all kinds of cool things we're going to talk about. Thank you for joining us. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Uh, I'm wearing my Godzilla shirt because... Uh, you know, Godzilla's iconic, and you're one of the few people uh, that have played Godzilla, probably one of the last people to play Godzilla in a suit. Uh, that is maybe true. Probably one of the last Americans, certainly, to do it. But, uh, yeah, That's true. I never thought of it that way. But, yeah, you may be right. Yeah. So were you a Godzilla fan Are you prior to taking the role? Yeah, I've, I've told this short story before. Uh, when I was in fifth grade, I went to see a matinee of Godzilla versus the smog monster. And as I was watching Godzilla do his stuff, I sat there in the theater and I said, I'm going to do that one day. And 25 years later, I was in a Godzilla suit on a 125th scale set. I was like, oh, yeah, that happened. Here I am. So, uh, yeah, I liked Godzilla when I was a kid. You know, on Saturday afternoon movies, they would come on and uh, a good Godzilla movie would be on. Yeah, I'd be there. Absolutely. I noticed that's your first credited movie. So, like, how did that come about? The twenty-five years uh, later, there in Godzilla. Well, I'll, uh, how much time do you have? I don't want to. Uh, I give you the Reader's Digest version or the longer version. We, I'm I'm good with the long one. I think we like the long version. Okay. Well, uh, in 1986, uh, ten years or so before I ever knew about this Godzilla movie, I was in. I was in New York doing Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, nice. Uh, I was in the off-Broadway production, and I was uh, an understudy uh, to be... That's the first musical I ever saw in the theater, actually, is Little Shop oh, of really? Horrors. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so I was the understudy uh, for The Plant. And, uh, and I... Uh, so I was there for a couple of months, and I was, I w- they would bring me back every once in a while to be an understudy, because I was not the full-time understudy. I was, like, the guy they called when they needed someone. And uh, so I started doing puppet puppets and things like that in New York a little bit, full-size puppets. Uh, and now skip forward to 1996, and I got a phone call completely out of the blue saying that the producers of Independence Day were looking for someone to play Godzilla for their new movie. And so it took a lot of cajoling on my part to get them to even think about me because they only wanted people from Los Angeles initially and, or from the West coast. So, uh, I told them, uh, look, I, if they, if the producers want to meet me, I will fly out there on my own dime and I, I will, uh, meet them. So eventually they said yes. And so I flew out a couple days later and, uh, I thought I was only going to be for, be in Los Angeles for like three or four days. I was here for like two or three weeks auditioning and meeting and uh, so that's the long version about how I got the job as Godzilla. Yeah. So uh, that was your first movie then that you worked on. That was the first movie I was ever in as a creature. I had done a small acting part in a movie called Dominic and Eugene back in 1990, excuse me, 1987, which I was cut out of. Uh, but that movie had uh, Tom Holtz and Ray Liotta and Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, but I was I was cut out of that film, and uh, so yeah, that was that was kind of like the first movie I was ever in. Yes, yeah, that's pretty wild. Did you ever get to play Audrey too? 
the plant? Yeah, I did. Uh, I got to go on in the show in New York uh, very few times, but I did get to do the show in New York. And then I did the show a lot in the next 10 years in summer theaters around the country, uh, like for civic light operas in big cities or um, smaller cities in the Midwest. Yeah, I did. I would do maybe a production every summer, one or two productions every summer for about eight to 10 years. Oh, wow. Nice. Did you, uh, were you the voice? Did you sing? No, uh, I, um, I was the guy in the plant, uh, lip syncing to the person doing the voice of the plant who was off stage. Uh, you're working too hard inside that plant to make it right. sound good. You're oh, breathing man. too hard. and <laughs> It's too much work. Yeah. And when you say lip sync, is it actual lip sync or are you moving the lips of the plant? I'm uh, yes, I'm moving the lips of the plant with my arms uh, and uh, coordinating my body movement with the, the guy who does the voice. And of course, we rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. And it's a little tough for the guy doing the voice of the plant because they've got to do the same performance every time. Oh, yeah. So yes, I, 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 yeah, I can I can be prepared. So it so it's seamless. Uh, so and I was very lucky. I always worked with people who were on top of it and like they never changed their performance uh which made my job a lot easier made me look really good yeah uh when i went I'm just to a it, mean green mother from outer space and i'm bad right right and yeah and that wasn't even in that was written for the movie that wasn't in the uh the play Cousin. oh okay yeah that was written for the movie yeah yeah and the play is a darker ending much darker much darker yeah the one I the one I went to see had Dom DeLuise as uh, as the shop owner. Oh, in Long Beach. Yeah, in Long Beach. Yeah. yeah, I was supposed to do that. Oh, really? I was supposed to do that production. I was in. Uh, I knew they were going to do it, and I contacted the the producers, and they weren't at the point where they needed to hire a plant. So I was actually up in San Jose. This would have been 1992, I think it is. I was yeah, up in San Jose was, doing uh, the show, mm-hmm. and the producers of the Long Beach production came up to see our show and they said, Hey, we'd love to have you do, you know, the plan for our show with Dom DeLuise. And I said, I'm already going to do one in Massachusetts and Michigan this summer. So sorry. Um, but yeah, I was, I would have loved to have done that one. I, I, I tried to get in it, but yeah. It didn't work well, out. interestingly enough, you said you were, you were doing one in Massachusetts. Yeah. Uh, so I live in Massachusetts, but I was out visiting my aunt. So, okay. Yeah, we were the, across the borders there. Right. We were in Danvers, in the greater Danvers, Beverly area. Uh-huh. Up there. Uh, um, so, okay. Yeah. I, I didn't know you were up in Massachusetts. Yeah. It's all around here. It's interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you said that So uh, when you were doing Godzilla, there, it was with the miniatures. Uh, it was with miniatures. It was motion capture. Uh, and then... Uh, uh, and then also the baby Godzilla, I played one of one of seven guys playing baby Godzillas, uh, of course, you know, on set. Well, what's the difference between that playing uh, like on set with other with with other people where you'd be like, I guess, the same size as opposed to playing the big Godzilla with with the with the miniatures? Right. Well, uh, with the big Godzilla, you got to remember, he's, uh, let's say, 200 feet tall and. So you got to incorporate that knowledge into your movement. Um, he's, yes, Godzilla is very fast and he can uh, uh, do things quickly, 
But when you're on those miniature sets, uh, you kind of got to adjust your uh, rheostat or whatever to uh, um, uh, your surroundings. Because also you got to deal with the frame rate of the camera. Because uh, a lot of stuff was shot in slow motion. And so we would shoot something. And we shot this one scene where I had to break up through the street. And I think we were shooting about 240 frames a second. And... Uh, they said action and I didn't come up through the street fast enough. Of course, we don't learn this really till the next day we see dailies. And so they said, okay, Kurt, next time you just got to blast through that street. So I, when they said action, I went right through the street. They looked at the dailies and the, the next day and they said, okay, we're way too fast. Okay. Can you put it, you know, get it right between, you know, those two takes. So, uh, uh, so with the baby Godzilla's, uh, you know, you have other people, you have the actors to react to, you know, Matthew Broderick and Hank Azaria and Jean Renault. Uh, but uh, when you're on set with those miniatures, it's just you. And uh, uh, I don't know, it just, you know, I, that's a great question. I've never really thought of it like that, but um, we just adjusted the performance to, to make it look right. Yeah. Uh, Tristan, you have a question? I do. I was just thinking how fun it would be to play Baby Godzilla, by the way. Um, yes. But I'm, I, I know that you worked on Star Trek New Voyages uh, Phase 2, and I'm wondering if you're a real-life Trekkie. Yes. I, uh, I enjoy all things that are Star Trek-related. I grew up with the original series. Uh, my nerd power is strongest with the original series. Uh, I know way too much stuff about the original series and how it was made. Um, uh, my, uh, but like I said, I appreciate Star Trek in all its forms, but it's, it's such a big thing now. There's so many different, there's movies and there's all the different series and then all, you know, fan films and things like that. Um, it's enough. It's, it's hard enough for me to keep all this stuff I know about the original series in my head, let alone, um, you know, next gen and deep space nine and enterprise and all that stuff. Are you, are you a star Trek fan? No, I was hoping that would not be your follow-up question. Oh. <laughs> not at all. No. Okay. <laughs> well, what are you a fan of? <laughs> um, kitty cats and horror movies. <laughs> okay. I like cats. I like horror movies. Okay. Okay, okay, cool. We can continue then. Right, we can. We, we reach. We reach. Okay. <laughs> the interview's not over. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, click. That's it. Yeah. Well, that's gonna that's gonna be pretty cool though, because you grew up. Uh, you watched Godzilla as a kid, and you're a big Star Trek fan, and then got to be Godzilla at some point, and and in a Star Trek series. Well, yeah, I was in the you know the the fan yeah. film Star mm -hmm. Trek fan film, yeah. Well, people say fan films, but some of the fan films now cost, uh, I mean, not co comparatively to, to the actual series and, and movies, but they, they're still pretty high production, some of the fan films today. I'll tell you what, those sets they built uh, on that Star Trek fan film I was in, they were incredible. I thought they were absolutely incredible. Uh, they looked just like the real thing uh, on the series. So, um, yeah, my hat's off to those people. You mentioned there was motion capture in, in Godzilla. Uh, yeah. How So that was kind of before, like, it really took off the CGI and stuff. Probably. How yeah. has that affected uh, your career, uh, the rise of CGI and, and technology? Uh, well, I'll I tell you what. Um, 
the uh, several years after I'd done Godzilla, I was in a movie theater and a trailer for, I think the first Transformers movie came on. And there was a scene where a Transformer robot, I believe, came out of a swimming pool in broad daylight and with the sun shining off it and the water dripping off it. And I said, that looks pretty good. And I said, that's not good for me. That's, uh, that's bad. Um, because they can do that in the computer. They don't need me anymore to do motion capture. Um, cause you know, when Godzilla, the Godzilla I was in, everything was at night behind smoke or fog in the rain to try to, you know, cover up the CG. I'm not saying the people who did the CG were bad, but that's, I mean, that's the way the movie is. Everything's I mean, that's even in old, old horror movies from the seventies and stuff. They usually would hide, not necessarily hide, but you know, put stuff in, in the shadows yeah. and, and fog. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think it's affected. I think I'm working less because of CG computer stuff and, you know, so be it. That's the way, that's the way things go. If I was a producer and it was cheaper to hire someone to animate it rather than hire a performer or something or build a model or something, I'd do it. I understand. Has, has, uh, some of it, some of the, it seems to me that some of the, uh, the practical effects have come back in the last few years. Yes, uh, that like, you know, for uh, force perspective and things like that, model building, traditional stuff. Uh, I know on um, like in the Underworld movies, uh, like the first two Underworld movies were directed by Len Weissman. And Len, I always got the impression Len like having a guy in a suit to be a, a werewolf rather than having a, a CG werewolf if he could. Uh and uh, of course, selfishly, I agree. I agree too. Uh, I also like the bipedal uh, werewolf as yeah. opposed to a four-legged werewolf. Right. Uh, how now? Did you work on the technical sides of uh, of any of these movies? Uh, can you be a little more specific? You mean like, did I work uh, as a model maker or? Um... Yeah, because I know you were. So you're using the puppets uh, when you're in the play for for Audrey too. So. Yeah. Like, uh, what were your role in some of the movies besides the guy? Not not to diminish that, but besides the guy in the suit. Well, to tell you the truth, I was uh, I was the guy in the suit, uh, along with any other guy uh, in the suit. Uh, I didn't really. I'm not a mechanical guy, so they would never let me around any electronics. Uh, I could wear the electronics, but uh, I wouldn't know the first thing about uh, you know fixing the. A, a servo motor on a, a jaw of a creature or at the ear, how an ear moves or an eyebrow moves. Um, they pay those people enough h- how to do that. So, yeah, I've never, I'm just kind of like the guy in the suit. I show up on time and uh, get in the suit and do what I'm told to do. Uh, you mentioned underworld. So uh, when you're playing a werewolf, uh, what do you do to like uh, to prepare to, for the movements and how you're going to act as a, as a monster? And uh, the first uh, Underworld movie, uh, I worked with a good friend of mine named Brian Steele. You probably know who that is. Yeah, I'm a friend of Brian Steele. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, Brian's a great guy. And uh, we kind of determined, like, okay, this is how the things move. And also the director had a you know, fairly... Um, fairly concise idea of how he wanted the werewolves to move. So... Um, within that framework, um, we, you know, kind of came up 
I maybe took a little bit of Brian's lead, but like these, these are how the creatures move. The werewolves move. This is how they walk. This is how, you know, this will look good on camera if we do this kind of move. Um, and then also you're coordinating everything with your uh, puppeteer because we don't open the jaw. We don't, you know, move the ears. We don't, you know, do the eyes. Um, so there's a lot of communication between the puppeteer and the performer inside, making sure you get the best performance possible. Um, and, uh, but you know, for me also, there's a rule that generally works pretty well when you're in a creature suit is whatever you do, just make sure it looks cool. So I think that's a good rule. Yeah. A good rule for anything. For life, really. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's my rule for the show here. Okay. Failing, but... It's not, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have another question, Trista? I sure do, yes. So we recently had Marty Matulis on, who was also a Slee Stack in Land of the Lost. Yes. And his experience that was that it was uh, super sweaty, but very fun. Um, yes. Do you agree with that? 100%. Uh, yes, I worked with Marty on that film, and... Uh, there was, it was a big production. We worked a long time on that. I remember like we would start on a Monday at about eight o'clock in, in the morning and we'd get suited up about eight o'clock and then we'd be done about 10 o'clock at night. So then they'd have to give us our 12 hour turnaround. So like on Tuesday, we're there at 10 o'clock. Wednesday, we'd be there at noon. Pretty soon by the end of the week, we were there showing up at like four in the afternoon and work until four, five in the morning. That's that's my memory of it. Uh, but it was great. It was it was a great way to spend uh, the beginning of a summer with a bunch of guys that were really great. And uh, it it was a lot of fun because the costumes were so uh, they were so wonderfully made. They were um, pretty comfortable. You could walk around. We had our our legs, our feet were in like uh, elevated. But uh, it was so nice not to have to wear like leg extensions for eight, 12 hours a day. Um, and uh, the eyes popped out pretty easily. Sometimes during takes, they would pop out. Um, and uh, the heads came off pretty easily so you could get uh, catch a breather. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, we had a nice band of guys who, who did that, uh, who were the main sleigh stacks. And um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Sitting out wearing like, uh, I don't want to say stilts, leg extenders, you said. Um, what are some of the weirder things you've had to learn how to do uh, when working on a movie? Um, the first thing that comes to mind is on the third Underworld movie, I had to fight a horse uh, where... That wasn't uh, a skill you already knew. No, it was not. Uh, it, they were just doing takes where I was swinging at a horse, of course not hitting the horse, uh, and the horse, the, the horse and the, the rider of the horse had the horse rearing up and down and they were just going to take snippets of that. Uh, and I, all I could think of was like, why am I finding this horse? Like, this is, this is crazy. I hope this horse doesn't charge me or something. Um, but special skills I had to learn. Um, I guess like for, to be a baby Godzilla, I had to learn how to, uh, walk with my head way over my feet in leg extensions with a very, with a costume of a certain weight on my back and try to make it not look like a guy in a baby Godzilla suit. Um, of course, that's the, that's a lot of, you know, you don't want it to look like a guy in a suit. Yeah. 
That's interesting, though. I think maybe that's something some people might not even think about. But what are some of the ways that you go about to do that so you look, you know, more non-human? Well, uh, the simplest way I found is generally, uh, and this this applies like to like almost anything I've done. The more pain your body is in, the better it looks on camera because the less it looks like a human. Um, with Godzilla, with the baby Godzillas especially, the more you could arch your back, keep your shoulders, uh, arch your shoulders and arch your back and keep your head as far over your feet as possible, that's when you would hear, that looks great, keep it up. But inside you'd be like, oh my gosh, this is so hard to do. Um, So, and even in Little Shop of Horrors, uh, doing the play uh, when I would do that, when you would, uh, really extend yourself, uh, the plant uh, on stage to get into the face of an actor. That's really great looking uh, when you're not in the audience member, but it's really hard to do and to maintain that and keep that, um, keep feathering the the lips so that the lip sync is, you know, is matching the voice of the, uh, the plant and uh, to keep the intention there. Um, so I guess my Reader's Digest answer is, um, whatever's the most painful is usually what they say. Perfect. Just keep Good it advice. up. Yeah. Uh, along those lines, have you had any injuries? No, I've been very fortunate. I'm also very, uh, I'm also very averse to getting hurt. So I've turned down things that uh, I was, uh, they wanted me to do something that I wasn't comfortable with. Like, just a couple of days ago, I got called about a job. They wanted me to be some kind of animal. And uh, I was going to be a replacement for someone. And so the first question out of my mouth is, what do they want me to do? I mean, are they looking for me like to fall two stories into a pad? Because if that's the case, I'm not doing it. Um, uh, I don't know anything about doing high falls. I don't want to get hurt. And I don't want... and. Uh, I don't want to get on set and then suddenly find out like, Oh, you're going to be set on fire. Didn't anybody tell you? So, um, uh, uh, I've never been hurt. Uh, fortunately I pulled muscles and had cramps and things like that, but I've never broken a leg. I've never, uh, busted up my knee or anything like that. I've been on set when people have, and it's, it's not fun. It's not fun. Uh, You mentioned Brian Steele and Marty who we had on last week. Um, is there is there any competitiveness with uh, with people um, who do similar roles? I would say yes, sure there is. Like uh, I get uh, if I see people are doing something like, oh, geez, I wish I could have done that. But you know, maybe I've done something that they wish they got to do. Um, but I know for my part, like yeah, I see other people and like, gosh darn it, I I wish I could have got in on that. But uh, but that happens. Hopefully there's enough work uh, for all of us that uh, uh, we can get a piece of the pie or something. But uh, yeah, I would th- think there's maybe a little competitiveness, but also there's all different body types, you know, like I, I'm a different body type than Marty. We're kind of the same looking person uh, body type wise, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm a bigger, I'm a heavier guy than Marty is. I'm a heavier guy than Doug Jones is. Uh, Brian Steele and I were about the same size, although he's a little taller than I am. So, uh, uh, yeah. 
Okay. Uh, AJ Zylo, uh, he says, you'd make a great Max Headroom if they uh, ever yes. re-envisioned the show. Right. Yes. Yes. I've heard that before. Thank you. Right. Great minds think alike. Yes. Uh, Zoom caller here, uh, Sylvia. She just hung up. Sorry. Uh, she was intimidated, I guess. Right. Uh, Trish, do you have another question? Do you find that it can be liberating as an actor to work as a creature rather than uh, with your naked face? Yes, absolutely. Um, when you're all, especially when you're all locked up in a costume, like say, for example, on Land of the Lost, uh, they maybe had 20 slee stacks there. Uh, and you're all identical. You know, you're all about the same height. You all have the exact same costume on. Uh, and so no one can see your persona. You see your face. And um, it is liberating. Uh, I have a friend who used to be a professional wrestler. And he said that he, uh, he also taught people who wanted to get into wrestling. And he said, what happens a lot is you teach them the different moves and you watch them in the ring and you can see on their face, they're thinking like, here's the next thing I got to do. So he says, you put a wrestling mask on them. And he says, all that goes away. It, they get into their body, they get out of their head and because they don't have to, they don't think about um, being seen anymore as a person uh, with this mask on. And, uh, and he says that really helps to liberate the body putting the mask on. So, uh, yes, as cliche and as maybe as silly as it sounds, having a mask on is very freeing. Yes, I, I find it is. Um, have you ever put on like the whole makeup and then like see yourself and like it really changes how, you know, you thought of the role? Uh, yeah, I had a um, uh, several, several years ago I, uh, for a makeup book. Uh, a makeup artist named Kevin Haney, who's an Academy Award winner, uh, did my makeup as Boris Karloff, an elderly Boris Karloff. And it was very good, very good job. And when he was putting the makeup on me, he was almost done. And I looked in the mirror, and for a split second, I really did think I was Boris Karloff. Like, I'd gone away, because the makeup was so good. Um, so that's just an example of uh, when the makeup's really great, uh, how you can kind of get, I don't want to get too weird about it, but you can get a little lost in that. Like, I'm not really here anymore. I'm this, uh, because other people treat you the way they see you a lot of times. And I know I've been to makeup trade shows where I've had my makeup done and I kind of forget that I have makeup on, but I walk up to a friend and say, Hey, Mark, how you doing? He's like, who are you? I don't know who you are. It's Kurt. Oh, okay. Yeah. Kurt. Cause you know, I've got, you know, two inches of latex on. That's pretty wild. Uh, if, if you had to pick just like a couple um, makeups or, or creatures or what are you, you could be Boris Karloff, not necessarily a creature, but the, you know, to showcase what you, what you've done, what, what would you pick? Uh, I did this short film. Maybe you've heard of it called Batman dead end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I played the predator that fought Batman in that. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. Um, what, one thing that made it fun was just this kind of underground film we were making. And I thought it was going to be okay. And it 
when I saw the finished product, it far exceeded my expectations. It was way better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, and I, and uh, that's something I really enjoyed doing. Um, I also enjoyed, I was in a, I've done some films where I've got to be um, like a killer and uh, uh, like chasing people around an old movie theater and stuff. And um, uh, that, that was, uh, that was fun because it was fun because I didn't have to wear a bunch of makeup and I didn't have to, didn't take 20 minutes to get dressed uh, wearing a latex monster suit the whole time. So that was, that was great. <laughs> now I see you have uh, the deep ones coming out and uh, a couple questions about that is uh, one, one, what do you make of kind of the rise of Lovecraft movies? Seems like the last few years has been, been a lot and the TV show. Right. You know, I, I don't know a lot about Lovecraft compared to what I know about Star Trek, uh, mm -hmm. for example, but I, I see, uh, I see on the internet, uh, that there's, there are more Lovecraft, Lovecraftian things or Lovecraft stuff being done. Um, the deep ones we shot that actually it was almost like a year ago today. I was in the Pacific ocean coming out of the Pacific ocean in a creature suit. That water was very cold. Um, and, um, I don't know when that, I, I hope that movie's going to come out soon. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be, uh, well, who knows with COVID theatrical releases, you know, who knows, um, may, may just be a streaming thing. Um, but, uh, I, just to be honest with you, I don't know enough about Lovecraft to speak about it with any authority. So yeah. other than, I don't either. I, was in, I think Troy's probably the, the Lovecraft fan here. So. Okay. But uh, it's just interesting to me that there's been so much uh, in the last few years from Lovecraft. Right. But, uh, Jim Ojala says it's it, it's coming out soon. Okay. And uh, he also wanted to know if you could talk about. Uh, oh, by the way, people don't know Jim Ojala uh, did. I guess he worked on the effects in the movie or the makeup. Yeah. And uh, he said uh, you had to do a scene at night in full creature uh, suit. Yes. Out of the ocean, and uh, how was the visibility? Uh, it was challenging because the, uh, first of all, Jim made a great suit. It looked great. And uh, the, I hope I'm not going to give anything away, but the, the eyes of the creature were uh, uh, lit up. And so, uh, but that light also hit me in the, hit me in my eyes. So I was like, like having flashlights shined in your eyes and like, okay, go walk 10 feet over there and make a right turn. Like, Okay. So, you know, you're counting steps, you know, and you're trusting that, uh, you know, you're not going to walk into a wall or something like a, a beach wall or something. Um, so um, it was a little challenging to see when the lights were turned, when the eyes were turned on. But I did have a sliver. I had a sliver of uh, space where I could look between the suit and the and the eye where I could actually see what was happening in front of me. So uh, that but that happens all the time. Uh, you've got to be able to uh, kind of memorize your surroundings and then make it look like, Oh yeah, I can see everything I need to see, you know, uh, all that stuff. What has been the most difficult um, makeup you had to wear? That's a good question. Um, I did a movie. I think it was called flight 7,500 or 7,500. And the um, 
we were playing creatures that came out of the overhead bins and attacked people, I guess, or scared people. And the makeup I had on covered both eyes. Uh, and so I had the smallest vision to be able to uh, see where I was walking. So whenever I had to go to set or come back from set, I had to have someone hold my hand and put me in position and like, okay, Kurt, you're going to stand right here. Don't move. You're on your mark. Uh, and then reverse that just to get back to my chair. Uh, that was, that was probably the most challenging makeup I've had to wear. But when you are in a situation like that and you have on like a creature suit and leg extensions, then the difficulty factor goes way up because like it's, you know, it's hard when you can't see where you're walking and you're not in your own feet. It's a challenge. Yeah. Oh, before I forget to, uh, when you mentioned wrestling, are you a wrestling fan at all? I appreciate, I'm like, uh, I appreciate wrestling, uh, especially after uh, meeting and getting to know my friend who was a wrestler. Uh, I don't follow wrestling. I mean, uh, back in the, gosh, I guess it was 80s when there was, what, Rowdy Roddy Piper and the Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah, Roddy Piper, yeah. You know, like I, those people I, I know of, but, uh, I've heard of the undertaker and John Cena, but I, uh, uh, I can't tell you the last time I sat down and watched a match or anything, but I totally appreciate what they, what they do. I think it's, it's great, very theatrical and, uh, a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tristan, do you have another question? Besides maintaining pain on set, do you have any advice for someone who might want to, uh, have a similar career as yours? Yeah, I would say, uh, what help if you want to do it, uh, go to where, uh, go to where they make these kind of movies, you know, uh, come here to Los Angeles. Um, if you're in Canada, go to Vancouver or Toronto. Um, or if you're here in the United States, it's, you don't want to go to Los Angeles. I guess they're doing a lot of films down in Georgia or, and, uh, Louisiana. Um, one thing that helps is of course, like in a lot of businesses, it's who, you know, and relationships. Uh, I know that um, I have relationships with people and it's, uh, it's easy, not well, uh, if you, if people know you, it's easier for them to say, Hey, why don't we just get uh, Brian? Why don't we just get Marty? Why don't we just get Kurt? Like, Oh yeah, that's great. We'll just, you know, we've worked with him before. Uh, no problem. So for someone who wants to do it, I would say come here and uh, try to get into a shop. Uh, and maybe even uh, try to start working in a shop because it's not unusual for the people who make the costumes to actually get to puppeteer the costumes and maybe even get to perform in the costumes. So um, that's the first thing that would come to my mind, short of learning how to make your own, if you're in, in some small town in Ohio, uh, make your own costume and make your own film. Uh, and then maybe someone will notice you and want you, want you to do something bigger. Um, but uh, I mean, I just completely fell into this job in a way. Um, so, uh, I didn't set out to do it, but, uh, it just kind of came my way. Uh, Steven in the chat, he says, uh, we want to know what were your thoughts? I work with M night Shyamalan on uh, lady in the water. Uh, that was a, a very interesting, uh, shoot. Uh, I worked a couple of shots, very close uh, where I was physically close with Shump, uh, with M Knight, and uh, I didn't have a lot of interaction with him 
one-to-one interaction, but he seemed like a really fun guy. He was telling jokes all the time and uh, uh, just had a really great energy. And uh, it was a very fun shoot to do. Uh, We got to, uh, uh, we got to go up to industrial light and magic up in San Francisco. And he was directing us from his house in Philadelphia uh, while we were shooting stuff there. Um, uh, so I, I really enjoyed my time working, working with him. Of course, M M Knight doesn't know who the heck I am, but, uh, I had a great time, uh, being around him and working on his film. Uh, when you watch a movie you've been in, can you watch it as the movie or do you see it like thinking of the, you know, making the movie and the technical side? Yeah. I think about the making of the movie and the technical side, you know, I'm like, Oh yeah, this was a Friday. Yeah, I remember this. Right. Yeah, this is the last thing we did that day. I really, I was, yeah, yes, no, I, uh, yeah, I'm always. Well, you guys have you, you know, like you probably had that same experience too. I'm assuming. So oh, yeah, Trista's uh, been in several movies. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever asked Trista that. Uh, um, watch her own movies. Yeah, I I think I'm um, maybe the opposite of you. Uh, I, I I don't think I I think most things are a blur for me. I don't. Oh, okay. Not that I haven't had trauma. I've had <laughs> trauma, <laughs> but um, I do mostly horror, so I think I I'm able to um, watch it as a solid piece. Okay. But I have a lot of friends who who um, watch it similarly to you. Right. You know. Yeah. Okay. Right. And I hope I'm not giving everyone the impression I'm on set being in pain and uh, being tortured. <laughs> I'm not. I'm enjoying every minute of it. <laughs> you get a cat appearance here. <laughs> so what, <clears throat> what kind of movies uh, do you watch you currently? Well, I'd, be, uh, I'd be watching the new James Bond film right now if it wasn't out. If it was out. Mm-hmm. Um, I like... Um, uh, I like James Bond movies. I like uh, comedies. Uh, I don't like musicals so much, even though I was in Little Shop of Horrors. Although I do like the musical, the movie Little Shop of Horrors. Um, I I I go. I see a lot of films. Uh, like my my favorite film is All That Jazz by. Uh, we came back out in like nineteen seventy nine. And then I also like a French film called The Untouchables, which came out about, I don't know, eight, nine years ago. Um, So I'm kind of all over the map. Stanley Kubrick, (laughs) I like. That's a better way. I like Spielberg movies. I like movies by Kubrick. Um, uh, Yeah, I'm I'm all over the map. You have a favorite Kubrick movie? (sighs) 2001 is really good. I really like 2001. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to beat that. Yeah. That's one of the best movies to watch in a theater, too. Yes, I've seen it once in the theater in college, and that was great. Yeah, yeah last, I think it was last year I got to see it. I mean, no, it was a couple of years ago. Last year, I didn't get to see really anything. But what was cool was that when I went to see it, it was 35 millimeter, and the guy sitting next to me had seen it in the same theater in its premiere like 40 years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, which I thought was really was really cool. Yeah, I had a, a night. I got to meet the guy who played, uh, who was the head ape 
the head Cro-Magnon man or whatever in the movie. And I, I was great uh, getting to ask him questions about it. And uh, that, that was, that was really cool. Uh, are you a horror movie fan? A lot of people are asking here in the chat. I do like horror movies. Uh, my girlfriend and I have been enjoying watching Sven Gulli on Saturday nights. Um, uh, uh, just a, like, I don't know, a month ago, three weeks ago, they showed The Leech Woman. Which Love that when, one. I, when I was a child, that movie scared the you know what out of me i just terrified me and i haven't seen it since and when it was on i told my girlfriend we're watching it like i don't care we're watching it and it was not as scary as it was when i was eight but i still really enjoyed it i you know it was um it was wonderful so yeah i i like horror movies um uh but i uh you know but if you look in my uh my closet i have star trek stuff and I have James Bond stuff, but I don't have much horror stuff. That's fine. All right. Yeah. What do you think of Daniel Craig? I know a lot of like hardcore James Bond fans are mad at me, but I, I personally like his movies the best in the Bond. I personally, I agree with you. I think his movies are, are a lot of fun. I, I don't, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I'll be, I'll be sad to see him go, but I understand. Yeah. Uh, Jim also went, uh, Jim Ogilvy, he says, uh, he wants to ask about being the singing, dancing man moose and moose man. the mo- <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Uh, Jim uh, recommended me for a, uh, this uh, student film we did. Um, I think it was back in 2012 in Utah. And uh, Jim made this wonderful uh, moose costume. Uh, kind of like <clears throat> uh, the moose that I played was walked on two feet. So kind of like Bullwinkle in a way. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he found this way, Jim found this way to make these antlers, to mold these antlers uh, so that they uh, did not weigh a thousand pounds a piece. And uh, we shot this for a couple week, a week or so, week and a half up in uh, Park City, Utah. Um, and uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a musical. I'd never done that before. I was like, how's that going to work? Um, and uh, um, we shot on location and we shot outside at three in the morning. We shot, um, uh, you know, at, at noon, at, right at the, uh, at the resort, at, at a resort there in Park City. Um, it was a lot of fun. Jim made a really great costume for that. And tell Jim I said hello. Yeah. And correct, he says it was a musical. Yes, that, yeah, that is correct. Yes, thank you for correcting me. He's absolutely <laughs> correct. Uh, Jim's a good guy, too. Yeah. Uh, Tristy, another question? You've actually made two Batman uh, fan films, so I'm wondering if you're a Batman fan. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm old enough to remember watching uh, Adam West and Burt Ward on TV for real when I was a kid, and, um, and I just thought that was great. And, uh, so when I got asked to be in Batman dead end, I was like, sure, absolutely. Let's do that. Um, I've also done a stunt show it, uh, out here in Los Angeles at magic mountain. And, uh, it was the a Batman show. So I've got to play Batman, uh, in the stunt show. Uh, I also, but I normally played Mr. Freeze in that show. I can see that. Yeah. Um, and, 
yeah, I, I do like Batman, Trista. It's, uh, I enjoyed the last three, uh, Bat- you know, the Batman movies that came out with um, you know, Christian Bale. Yeah. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, I do like Batman. Those are my favorite ones, too. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Batman villain? Oh, Catwoman, of course. Yes, Catwoman, yes. I'm a penguin guy, but yeah, Catwoman. Okay. How about a Batman villain from the old Adam West? Uh, Catwoman, yes. Julie Newmar or Lee Merriweather from the movie or Eartha Kitt. Yes, yeah, all those. Can't go wrong with any of them. Yeah. No, they're all very good. So really, you can't go wrong with any of the old uh, uh, Adam West Batman villains. They were all great. No, not you can't go bad with Nora Clavicle or... You know, the <laughs> egghead, egg, egghead, exceptional. Yeah, <laughs> they're all great. You know, the bookworm. I, you know, I remember. Oh, when, yeah, Roddy McDowell. That was that was awesome. Yeah, the bookworm's men wore glasses, and they were going to get in a fight, and they had to take their glasses off before they got in a fight. You know, I just love that. <laughs> Are you working on anything currently? I, uh, I'm working on uh, a project for myself, a short film. And, uh, I was thinking, I got called a couple of days ago about a project that I was thinking I was going to shoot tomorrow to tell you the truth. Oh. And they had to postpone. So, um, uh, hopefully that'll come back around in the future, but, uh, uh, not currently am I working on anything right now. Uh, the short film you're working on, uh, you said it was your film. So did you write it or? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, I'm trying to shoot it as cheaply as possible. And, um, uh, I'm, uh, doing lots of test testing, camera testing, uh, because I'm going to have to do a lot of force perspective or some comping, comp, uh, you know, green screen. Comp- I want to stay away from green screen if I can. Uh, but I'm trying to find the way I can do it uh, where it has the most production value for the smallest amount of money. You know, I don't know if you can say much about it, like what genre it is or anything, what it's about. Oh, I would, uh, I won't say what it's about. Not that it's, uh, it's hard to explain a short without. Yeah. It's, it takes place on another planet in another world, which is uh, a good thing for me because I can make the world, whatever I want it to be. So, um, uh, in my perfect world, I would go out in a desert and shoot it for a week and be done with it. But I don't have the money to pay a crew like you should, you know, and feed them and house them and water them and uh, all that stuff. So I'm trying to do the most I can, trying to make a silk purse out of a uh, sow's ear, to tell you the truth, uh, and use, because sometimes, you know, when you have limitations, uh, your imagination has to take over and uh, exceed those those limitations. So that's uh, that's uh, that's what I'm gonna bank bank myself on. And uh, have you ever uh, made a, a short film before? I have never made my own short film before, but I've certainly made lots of short films yeah. for other people. Yeah, I meant for your own, but yeah. Okay. No, I'm this wondering is... like what your plans are to do with it after, like if you were going to do like festivals or put it online or maybe you don't. I make... would say I would say put it online if I felt it was good enough. I would be happy to submit it. Uh, it's fairly short. It's probably five minutes or less long. Um, but um, uh, I know that when I shoot it, I'm still going to make plenty of mistakes. There's going to be a lot of, um, a lot of things I wish I would have done differently, but 
having been in enough films and doing enough things, I've learned some things, even through osmosis, like, don't do that. Like, this is a good thing to do. That is not a good thing to do. So uh, uh, hopefully some of that um, experience will kick in. And uh, by the way, Stephen uh, in the chat, he says uh, the animated series should get some love as well for about Batman. Yeah. He's a big fan of Mad Hatter and Batman. Right. Uh, Tristan, do you have another question? Can you talk a little bit about your uh, merman suit in Special Unit 2? Sure. Um, that, uh, first of all, first, thank you for knowing what that is. <coughs> um, of course. Yeah, that was a, um, a late, I believe it was, um, they took a, a unitard and they covered it with uh, silicone. Uh, and then they painted, uh, sculpted or painted on uh, a kind of creature from the Black Lagoon kind of uh, uh, gills and things like that on the suit. <clears throat> uh, and I remember that I had to be sewn into the costume and then siliconed into the costume. So uh, once you were in, you were in. There was no like, we'll just pop the head off, take the hands off and you can go sit down and eat, or you can just go to the bathroom very easily. It was, you're in, you're in. So um, the big thing I did in that episode, uh, besides um, I had to kiss these uh, college co-eds, I remember, and uh, also the man who played Superman for the, was it the WB or the CW? I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the actor's name who played Superman for many years um, for the TV show. Uh, anyway, I got to fight him uh, in an episode, but I'm dragging the story out way too long. The fun thing I remember about doing that episode was I was in a water tank and uh, I, had a, uh, I had a respirator on and it took about five hours to shoot that scene. And... Uh, I was a little apprehensive about being in the tank. Uh, but after about 20 minutes, it was very comfortable. And um, so the next five hours just kind of flew by. It was very easy to do. The most challenging part was they had a underwater microphone in the tank so I could get direction. And it was very challenging to understand exactly what the director wanted me to do. Cause it sounded like, <laughs> you know, and you know, I can't communicate. I'm just like, what, what do you, what, you know? And so a couple of times I had to come up and say, he wants you to shake your head more like, okay, I can do that. Okay. We'll go back to So I hope that answers your question. <laughs> Have you done a lot of uh, stuff in the water? I'm just wondering, like, does that normally make the suit a lot heavier? Uh, yeah, I um, like for the deep ones, uh, you know, I read the script and I talked to Chad, the director, who was great. And uh, uh, and he agreed with me. I because the script had me coming out of the coming out of the ocean at night. And um, so I wanted to talk to the director. I said, like, how deep? in the ocean, do you want me to be? Because if the waves are crashing really hard and if you want me to be complete, my head completely submerged, I don't want to do that. Uh, you know, and he's, he said, absolutely not Kurt. Like 
I think the deepest I went was like, you know, a little above my knees. You know, he just needed that beauty shot of me coming out of the surf. Uh, but um, so, yeah, I've done I've done some stuff around water, but uh, I would say Special Unit 2 was the longest that I've uh, been submerged underwater. But also the stunt coordinator was great. He was there 100% of the time right by my side. If I had any trouble, he would have pulled me out immediately. Uh, Sean Clark says uh, you were great to work with on the black waters of Echo's Pond. Not really a question. Yes. Bring that up. Oh, well, thank you. Sean's a great guy. I really enjoyed working on that too. Uh, do you have any, uh, any uh, highlights of working on, I guess? I got to meet Robert Patrick and that was cool. Um, I remember uh, uh, kind of being, uh, you know, like Kurt, we're going to, that was another job where I can't really see anything that I'm doing where I had to be like physically put in place. Like, here's your mark. Don't move. And uh, you're just going to be looking around, just look around, just look around. That's all we want you to do. Um, and uh, you know, they'd say cut and like, and all, all I could think of like, is that okay? Do I, do I have to look harder? Don't look, don't make it so obvious. I'm looking around and like, okay, we're going to do another one, you know, and action, you know, you just, so um, uh, uh, I remember uh, we did some reshoots uh, for that also. And, uh, you know, it took a long time to get that, um, to get into costume because they had to do all this flocking of hair on my arms. And, uh, and Patrick McGee, who made the, uh, the, the head of the creature, the pan creature that I was, absolutely beautiful beautiful uh beautiful work he did well, that name i think he made a bigfoot movie recently yes he did i was uh i was hoping to be in it but i was committed to doing something else at oh, the time primal so, rage i think it's called yeah that sounds familiar yes it's honestly one of the best uh, uh bigfoot movies yes it's very good mm-hmm. the bigfoot looks great and i like the take on bigfoot it's a lot yeah. it's it's original right uh, by the way, when I mentioned you were coming on the show, a lot of people like Sean and Jim and uh, some other people, uh, they mentioned that they love working with you and you seem, uh, which I know this seems obvious, I think, but I, uh, if you have a good reputation, I think it helps, you know, uh, work on other projects. Hopefully, yes. Uh, well, you know, when you're going to be working on set with someone for 14 or 16 hours, you know, and uh, you can work with someone who's hopefully nice and smells good or you know you can work with someone who doesn't uh so i don't know tristan maybe you've had the experience of working with people maybe you don't want to work with again or you know so uh, that's how i met tristan relate. was we worked on a movie <laughs> oh. neil falls under that category <laughs> but somehow i tricked her to come on the show right but she does have to smell me because we're in other parts of the country. So. Right. That's, that's the, the big part. It's in my contract. <laughs> uh, do, do you have social media for people to follow you to see what you're up to? If you, uh, I, like I don't really. I, I have a Facebook account. I, I open it up for about a day once every four months. Uh, if a family member has done something and I need to uh, congratulate them or look at some photos. But I'm not much of a social media person person uh so uh probably better off to be honest they're I, all oftentimes i mean i we really need one for the show and everything but sometimes they're 
not just sometimes often i think why why am i on social media right right yeah i don't i don't miss it i don't miss it at all yeah but there are also great people too don't get me wrong so i don't you know oh, a- absolutely. Our, our community is great and everything yeah, yeah absolutely yeah it just i uh, uh if uh, sometimes it's for me it would be easy to fall down the facebook rabbit hole for example and uh uh and uh so uh, yes i do have a facebook account but it's deactivated 99% of the time. Yeah. That's really fine. Uh, this, how, how did you, uh, this last year, I know you're working, uh, you want to do your short film, but uh, during the pandemic, uh, did you either like find a new hobby or work on anything like maybe that you, you didn't think you would get extra? Uh, I wrote, I did, I did a lot of writing and um, uh, a lot of exercise because there was, there was no work. And of course, you never know when you might get called even during a pandemic. So uh, there was lots of exercising and uh, I exercised a lot. Uh, and, <laughs> Along uh, those lines, what kind of things do you do to stay uh, uh, flexible and in shape to, to play the different uh, I do uh, right now I'm doing a program for 20 weeks where like I'll do a week, like this week I'm just doing weights. Those will be my exercises. Uh, In addition to a lot of bicycling. And then the next week will be all uh, body weight type exercises with, uh, so I can get my cardio in as it were on the bicycle. So that's what I'm doing for the first 20 weeks of the year. Uh, So, uh, you know, it's all different kinds of crazy push-ups and, you know, sit-ups and handstand push-ups and chin-ups and all kinds of stuff like that. Well, this has been really fun to talk with you. Oh, well, thank you very much. It's over. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, great. Well, I had a great time. Thank you very much. That you would like to put out there? I, I don't. I, no, I, I think we've pretty much covered everything. Hopefully everyone is getting uh, through this time of COVID and we'll be all, everybody will get their shots or whatever they need and we'll get back to having a more normal life. And, uh, and hopefully the next time we reconvene, you know, the COVID will be way, way in the uh, rearview mirror. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And this, this really has been a good time. It'll be cool to have you back sometime. Anytime. Oh, yeah. uh, call me. Absolutely. I'd love to. All right. Very good. And uh, uh, we're going to give away a prize here. You can stay with us if you want. Uh, I'll stay with you. All right. So <laughs> anyway, uh, I should have had it closer, but <laughs> Peninsula, which is uh, Train to Basan presents Peninsula. It's a sequel to Train to Basan uh, by the good people of WellGo USA. They sent this to us. It's uh, Blu-ray and DVD. Uh, Korean uh, zombie film. The first one was a. Uh, Really kind of came out of nowhere as a big success. So anyway, every month I have to do help spread the head. Share without your head on Facebook or Twitter. Go spray paint it on walls. Don't do that. But don't share it. And we put all the names in here in a hat. And let's see. One person. Suzanne Leist. I'm not sure how you say your name. At Suzanne Leist on Twitter, you won yourself Peninsula. Very cool. Very nice. Congratulations. Yes. Good, good, good. 
So get your address. We'll send it right out. Hopefully you're not. Li- hopefully you don't live too far away. Because <laughs> I'm cheap. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, that was very good. Thank you. Subscribe here to YouTube. Hit the little bell icon so you get all the notifications. <laughs> Follow us everywhere, and I think those are all the those are all the plugs. I think so. Yeah, like thank it. Thank you again, Kurt. Yeah, Kurt. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. I had a great time. Thank you so much. Likewise. Yeah. Take care. Okay. Thank you. You too. Have a great day. Bye, everybody. Thanks Bye-bye. for watching. Good night, everybody. From ancient terrors to the search for modern-day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old-world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. Ripley, we should have listened. The Tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming night! Mostly! They're coming night! Mostly! They're coming night! Mostly! They're coming night! Mostly! Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming night!